Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, everyone, and welcome to State of State. This podcast is presented by BetOnline.ag, your number one source for all your sports info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's NBA playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters. We have you covered for all your sports wagering needs, whether it's the NBA, Major League Baseball, the NHL, right to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options, plus your favorite casino and card games that you can play right from your home head to betonline.ag today or use your mobile device to get in on the action be sure to use our promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit state of state is presented by bet online where the game starts also state of state is a proud supporter of blue white outfitters blue white outfitters was created as a retail shop meant to highlight the confidence competitiveness and fearlessness of the elite athletes found throughout the history of penn state university all sales from blue white outfitters directly benefit penn state student athletes visit www.bluewhiteoutfitters.com today Justin, it's good to be back with you. Uh, for those of you that hear the frog in my throat, it's because I was screaming all this past weekend for Impact Wrestling, our fabulous, our historic rebellion pay-per-view event this past Sunday in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. So for those of you that care about pro wrestling and Penn State football, you're in the right place. Uh, so thank you all so much for joining us. Justin, you had the chance to be in State College at Beaver Stadium. You were busy this past weekend with a lot of different things that you have your hands in, especially the NIL collectors, but you did get to take in the blue-white game. So a uh, big thanks again to Aeneas Hawkins for hopping on this past weekend to dissect everything with the game. But what were some of your overall thoughts about this year's blue-white game? Overall thoughts on this blue-white game. Um, yeah, I mean, happy to be back on, jumping into it. But uh was the actual size of the team. Uh, I remember when I first got to Penn State and we would play, you know, different teams, whether it's Ohio State, Michigan, our top, you know, you think of depth of rosters um, and warmups, you really get a chance to eyeball test the other team, like, right, their depth, whether it's like all the DBs are six foot or above, all the receivers, all the linemen look a certain type of way. And at that point, you know, we we had nice, nice talent at the top level, but, you know, sometimes the depth was there. Seeing the guys this this year and being up close and personal, seeing like the size profile of the whole entire team. I mean, sometimes people like to say like, oh, it looks like an SEC team, but I, it's like the team looks large <laughs> to say the least. Like, and just from a size standpoint, like they look like it's one of the best looking teams from an aesthetic standpoint that I've seen um, at Penn State in the recent years. It's something James Franklin has harped on for a while now. It feels like the last few years that Penn State needs to get bigger and putting on, quote, good weight. There's a lot of guys that he's pointed to that have put on that good weight. Abdul Carter is one of them. Um, you and I talked about it a couple weeks ago that Nicholas Singleton is listed at 228. Uh, Vega Yuane is an offensive lineman that James Franklin marvels at, 365 pounds, but looks fantastic. Do you think that's looking within the Big Ten specifically? Because when I think about size in the Big Ten, I certainly think about Michigan. I'd say second, I think about Ohio State. And then Penn State is third in there, obviously. But you're, you're maybe trying to think beyond the Big Ten this year. Absolutely. I think you're thinking nationally. That's why I say sometimes it's a level of 
uh, SEC bills. Like when you look at some of those teams built from the top down, whether it's the Alabamas, the LSUs, or the Georgias, like it's they're, like, they're just massive across the board. But sometimes when you're just winning matchups based on physics, not always necessarily skill, because like when we talk about football, it's an athletic size, speed type of game. And so when you have that much artillery in your in your in your uh, in your bucket, is you can go to war. I mean, so at the same time, like now looking at Penn State this year, they look like those teams. Obviously, Michigan, Ohio State, they obviously have great looking teams in their profiles, whether it's my, Michigan's more of a power run and Ohio State has like the spread offense type situation, but prototypical size across the board. I think for Penn State, they look like a playoff team from just aesthetics of, across the board. You see freshmen like Tony Rojas come in, Tamir Robinson, just like nice looking prospects and making plays right into the game, right? Even Drew Drew Aller, like he's making some nice plays coming in and scanning the whole field, coming back, backside, hitting a dig, throwing a laser in there um, to the receiver and scoring a touchdown. So like you saw some nice promising things along with not just the size, but that's a metric that is hard to attain. Like you just can't, there's just, God doesn't make that many big people in those different positions that can move. And so for Penn State, they have the depth and, size across the board and we know that athleticism is there i mean it was it's exciting it, it was really exciting to to take in the whole game uh, obviously you know you talk about the size uh that's something we're going to touch on in a moment in regards to defensive tackle i do want to get to that in a minute but uh there, there's so much from this game that you can really dissect uh two players that uh james franklin continued to mention he mentioned him at halftime he mentioned him in his post-game uh remarks is that Amari Evans, the wide receiver, really had a nice day, had a touchdown, had 80 yards receiving, I believe had five catches, uh, was an asset for both Bo Perbula and Drew Aller out there. Um, what did you see from Amari Evans as someone who knows what it's like to play wide receiver? I mean, yeah, just clean route running, right? You come running back, backside dig, make a nice play and get into the end zone, some, showing some little some yak there and just making the plays and being a reliable receiver for a first-year quarterback is always essential, especially when we're trying to find – that number one guy. It's still going to be interesting to see how Dante Cephas sits, fits into the rotation of, of receivers. Um, but, I mean, he came out and did what he's supposed to do in the spring game. Yeah, James Franklin even went as far as to say that he thinks Amari Evans has emerged as that number three wide receiver. Now, uh, we're assuming one and two or 1A, 1B, however you want to look at it, are going to be Keandre Lambert-Smith and Trey Wallace, which is great. Uh, those two didn't do anything I would say remarkable in the blue white game, Justin, but nor right. did you necessarily need to see them do anything remarkable to make you feel better. Everything that we've heard throughout spring ball has been really, really positive. And James Franklin has even said in the last week and a half of spring ball that Omari Evans had really come on. And then he also named guys like Caden Saunders, uh, Anthony Ivy, Malik McClain, obviously got a good run during the blue white game. Uh, when you look at that wide receiver core altogether, do you think Amari Evans has maybe locked up the number three or do you think it's still open? I mean, it's hard to say anything's locked up at a spring ball because you never know what happens in fall camp, right? That's when it really, when positions are one and you're going into the season. But uh, again, that's when you throw in another receiver that's being tra like transferring in with Dante Cephas. But um, I think we hold that off until uh, – until the, until the summer, but at the same time, I think it's he made a nice imprint on the spring.
Yeah, he really jumped out. Uh, another player that really jumped off uh, the screen, the radio for me, because I was in Canada, I was listening to Steve Jones and Jack Ham, which was really pleasant, actually. I love the experience, uh, was denied Dennis Sutton. Now, in, in the blue-white game, the concept of a TFL and a sack are, are relative because it's a, you know, it's a tag down. You're not obliterating your quarterbacks. But uh, Deny Dennis Sutton did get two sacks, technically, in the blue-white game. And was described by James Franklin multiple times as, quote, unblockable. And you and I were talking about this before we started recording, is that James Franklin is very careful about what he says to the media. Using the term unblockable is a really strong term. What did you think of what Dennis Sutton did? I mean, I thought it was very impressive. That was somebody that really stuck out to me, especially him running with the twos and knowing that we're on the opposite team. So he was going against the ones and the better players and still making that impact and that, those plays. I think that just opens up the defense to a whole new uh new bucket of trouble right when you talk about blitzes and being able to move him around and you have like a elite pass rusher being able to just rush four guys and do different things on the back end when you have athletic linebackers in the secondary that they're going into the season with i mean like i said you can really dial up some nice nice defenses and continue to stay on top when it comes to the passing efficiency and total defense across the country yeah, defense as a whole looked very, very good. And James Franklin said the defense was outstanding uh, during the blue-white game. The secondary, especially Kalen King, as advertised. Johnny Dixon, as advertised. Storm Duck, the transfer from UNC, looking very, very good. You and I think very highly of him. Uh, K.J. Winston, uh, somebody at defensive back, really was flying all over the field during this game. Were you surprised to see that from Winston? Nope. Uh, that's kind of been, <laughs> not at Why? all. That's kind of been the word, you know, coming out of high school out of Dematha, coming in here, there was there was high praise on just the type of athlete he was and just the type of, he just had a very small developmental curve to have to approve to get to like a special level player. So I'm excited to see what happens with him this season. I think he's going to be one that makes a splash um, onto the scene this year. Franklin has said a lot about getting that that too deep in a good position, but he even went as far as to say, especially, you know, something like defensive tackle, he'd love to see a, a six deep, basically six guys that you feel good about, which is uh, pretty astounding to say something like that. And he believes that Penn State has gotten back to the capability of having the depth that they did before the pandemic, before those two really dreadful seasons in 2020 and 2021, where COVID-19 just messed up everything for teams all across the country and, and Penn State especially. So I'm very interested to see how Winston fits into this secondary because if anything, Justin, it feels like there's just a lot of guys you can get on the field and rotate in. Um, knowing what that opportunity is like for a defense, how much pressure does that put on an offense when it's just constantly a revolving door of personnel but not necessarily a big drop-off in ability? I think it's at a critical advantage, man, especially when you're playing just from the standpoint of playing on defense when the receivers are always rotating, right? When they've got different personnel, like 2111, it's a different receiver and they're 6D running in and out and they're running fades and doing all these different things. But it's interesting because James always had a, a, a philosophy of rotating DBs, which I always, I won't say question, but it was just interesting to me, but to build depth of the roster. Right. So if guys had to come in or they were getting snaps or they're freshmen and different things of that nature, were getting quality reps. So when they were time to step up, that gap was much smaller. So even when I was there and Amani uh, Orway was coming through and scouts would ask like, hey, well, why was he rotating? Because this is happening. And then when they start finding out, it's like, oh, it's for depth. And you start to see how people play with a heightened sense of 
um, urgency when it's like, all right, I got to make this play or you're just playing at that level. But with that, with that being said, to sum up what you're saying, I mean, it's a critical advantage. I mean, you want to be able to get into a rhythm as a defensive back, but to be able to rotate guys and play more man-to-man coverages, knowing that you can get a blow every once in a while, or if you're just rotating and doing multiple look packages, I mean, it makes the game of football fun. <laughs> it makes a quarterback think a lot. Oh, absolutely. You can't really identify anyone, right? When you've got keys, whether you're looking at a nickel, it's like, okay, 25 is blitzing, or if this time is, is Winslow coming, or it, it's just, it, it makes it very creative and gives, um, it gives Manny Diaz a, a nice, again, artillery to play with. Yeah, a lot of options. And uh, to your point about Amani, he's doing all right in the National Football League. Yeah, he's, he's doing, doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he's doing just fine. Nobody can pronounce his last name, but he's doing yeah. just fine. Um, a and it's, way. A it's, way. There you go. Uh, and then speaking of quarterbacks, uh, I do want to touch on Drew Aller and Bo Perbula real quick. Uh, the last, uh, the lines on them, the statistics at the end, Drew Aller finished 19 of 30, 202 yards and a touchdown. About a 63% completion percentage. Meanwhile, uh, Bo Perbule, a little rougher day through the air. 10 completions on 27 attempts uh, and under 100 yards and uh, was given an interception. So, again, these things are um, all relative. It's a blue-white game. Uh, this is a glorified scrimmage. There are some rules that are a little bit different. So you don't necessarily look at these in terms of, oh, this is a, a distinct example of Bo Perbule's maybe struggles in the passing game and Drew Auer being just – fabulous in the passing game there are definitely things to work on um something that's been talked about the entire spring is that there's quote a true competition at quarterback in my opinion you know going back through this game it's drew aller at number one now we're not going to get an announcement of any kind you and i both know how franklin operates probably until the week of the west virginia game which <laughs> is a little over 130 days away by the way so right. i can't wait for that uh but watching the quarterbacks how did you feel about them I mean, I think there's some promise there, right? I think there's something to hang your hat on, especially when, like I said, I've talked about the play where Drew threw a, a touchdown. I mean, just to get in there, read all the way through your progression, hit the backside, hit the backside dig with the type of velocity he put on the ball. I mean, and he moves better in the pocket than I I thought he would, right? Just from just pocket presence, stepping up, moving around. He wasn't just a statue. So like though there was a lot there was a lot of promise. So I'm I'm encouraged, to be completely honest. Are you a fan of rivalries? Are you a fan of smack talk? Do you like to stand out from the crowd at tailgates? If so, check out Smack Apparel and see what their team has geared up for football season. Their Let There Be White tee is the perfect gear for all those famous whiteout games at Beaver Stadium. Or get straight to the point with the worst tee for all the Ohio State haters out there. Smack Apparel has the must-have tees for all your teams, including pro and college football, plus basketball, baseball, every fan is covered. Head over to smackapparel.com and use the promo code STATE10, that's S-T-A-T-E-1-0, at checkout for 10% off. Again, that's smackapparel.com, promo code STATE10, at checkout. Why we're boring when you can wear smack. Are you looking for undeniably good hair and beard care? Then Maestro's Classic is perfect for you. Maestro's has beard washes, beard oils, beard butters, plus hair gels and pomades. It's one brand for every man. Visit maestrosclassic.com. That's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-S classic.com and use our promo code STATE20. That's S-T-A-T-E-2-0 at checkout for 20% off your order. Maestro's Classic, crafting a better you. And for Bo, especially seeing him run a considerable amount, 
was good because you understand maybe what his package is going to be. That's something that's been discussed going into 2023 is that both quarterbacks are going to have the same base offense that they're going to have to know and execute. But then both of them are different guys, different athletes, obviously. Both are going to have different skill sets, and it seemed like we got a little taste of what Bo's package is potentially going to look like. Um, So I'm very interested to see how that progresses. Uh, The biggest positive for me coming out of this is that everybody was healthy. No major injuries. Uh, we talk about bubble wrapping certain guys, i.e. Nick Singleton and Katron Allen and Drew Aller as well. So that that was really positive. So it just felt, you know, there's things to work on. And James Franklin was talking about uh, there needs to be better competition at the defensive tackle spot. He wants to see some of those wide receivers really take a step uh, in terms of solidifying who that three, four, five, and six are. Uh, talked about punting needing to be better. Uh, there's little things to nitpick on coming out of this. Uh, but overall, healthy. That's that's the best thing you could ask for going into the, this offseason period now. So uh, looking back on spring ball as a whole, what's your overall takeaway from what Penn State accomplished? Overall takeaway is uh, I think this is the year we get over that hump that we've been looking for. I think like just to kind of sum it up, I mean, there's just a lot of talent. Um, even just being around the guys at the different events and just walking around them, there's a there's an aura that they have. Like they 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 seem to they seem to get along. They seem to be very confident and moving around. And yeah, it's exciting. I think this is the year that we get over the hump and into the playoffs. That's and my takeaway. I, I think it needs to. I think it needs to start with aiming for a Big Ten championship game. Start there. Sure. And, and I'm I'm a big fan of thinking that this team can make the college football playoff, can contend for the national championship. But if you can get yourself into the college into the Big Ten championship game, and just set that goal, maybe you know you'll never hear the team talk about it publicly. Every once in a while, guys come out and say, "Oh, we can win the national title this year." But Franklin likes to you know tamp that down and just temper expectations. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think that, that a lot of the vibes in the building is they've they've, they've 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 been to the Big Ten championship, so I think that's always going to be uh, that's always going to be the I mean that's always a goal, right? That's a, that's a built-in goal. I it's think all right. I think there's there's makings when you look at this team and where they finished last year, whether there's question marks that you had going into next year or whatever that case may be, where the talent was last year and how they elevated, where their skill skill level can be. With them being on that brink last year, I think this is the year that all things. Everyone stays healthy, hopefully. <laughs> Fingers yeah. crossed. Get over that. Get over that hump because that's the hump that I think those are, that those thin layers when we get into like the NIL and talent acquisition and getting over that hump. When he everyone quotes back to him saying, "There's a difference between us and Ohio State." Like that's a real hump that you have to get over. So that's what I'm referring to. Oh, I no. definitely agree about the Big Ten championship. Got to get on that first. Well, yeah, of course, it, it all begins there. And uh, I'm somebody who, you know, ever since uh, that 2018 postgame press conference against Ohio State, I went to that game. I remember watching Dwayne Haskins lead that comeback, and it was just was, uh... demoralizing. And the way that James Franklin talked about we've been a good football program, we can be a great football program, but we're not an elite football program, it is 2023 an elite season for Penn State football. It looks like it could be. It looks like it could be. <laughs> yeah. Um, some of the other things that Franklin touched on, uh, an important thing for Penn State fans to be aware of if they don't already know about it, is that we're in another transfer portal window right now, I believe, until the end of the month. I think it started uh, April 15th, if I'm not mistaken, until the 30th. Um, 
it, I found it interesting, Justin, to hear after the blue white game, we, we had a hunch that you were going to hear James Franklin say, you know, we're, we're looking for depth and, and players at defensive tackle. That wasn't a surprise. There's some injuries at, at that position. So that wouldn't hurt to have somebody that you can go get in the portal. A lot of people freaked out in the last few weeks because Georgia's a defensive tackle, Bear Alexander, who was a big part in the national championship game, entered the portal. Uh, we're recording this Tuesday afternoon. So if he's already somewhere else by tomorrow morning when this posts, then, you know, we were wrong. <laughs> but uh, there's some talent out there to be gotten. I found it interesting, Justin, that. Uh, James Franklin also mentioned in the portal, potentially going to get another wide receiver when he's already gotten two. how did you feel about that? I mean, I think you always can have weapons. I believe in one touch guys, right? So even when we think about the, the depth of receivers that they do have, they have some quality receivers, but anyone blow the top off. So like having that diversity in receivers, when you can have those guys, I mean, it's real easy to drop a play to a slant, like a, a KJ, a KJ um, Hamler, him take mm. it. 70 yards, right? So you always want to put the bait out there to even find one of those type of playmakers on the edge. Well, yeah, the first-year quarterback. Yeah, of course. Uh, first-year starter at quarterback, and it's something that Franklin went even as far as to say, quote, we won't turn down a great player at any position, which is a no-brainer when you hear it, but at the same time, that should perk up a lot of ears in that locker room. If you were in that locker room, you heard that, you're like, oh, I, I got to work even harder. I like that, man. I mean, I just, uh, I think it gives a, a reality to the situation, right? When you get there, I mean, we all knew that scholarships are year to year type basis where you can get out recruited. And like, that's the type of level that Penn State's on. And that's what comes with power, like top level power five programs. Like if you're not on board or if you miss a recruiting prospect, like, you can out recruit that guy. And now you kind of have a wasted scholarship. Like you want to stack and make sure that things are right. So I think it's good that James is coming out and saying, hey, we're looking for this. So the receivers are on notice. Like, all right, he's telling us. He's not saying it's, hey, it's it's your job to lose and bringing someone else. They're like, hey, who's this guy? He's like, no, I'm telling you exactly what it is. So I think that's the the making of radical transparency and accountability in a team that kind of rises to this level of expectation to accomplishing what they want to accomplish. Yeah, and let's not forget there's still more players inbound this summer is a part of this 2023 recruiting class. Uh, you know, we talked about Dante Cephas. There's more guys on the way. Uh, right. So there's always a question mark. I especially felt watching the blue-white game, Justin, that the running backs not named Singleton and Allen really looked aggressive. They looked like there was a sense of urgency. Not, I wouldn't go as far as to say desperation, but you and I have discussed recently, Trey Potts is on his way from the University of Minnesota, former Golden Gopher running back. There's a possibility of a three-headed monster there, but it really felt like during the blue-white game, message was received for the guys behind them in terms of Emil Davis, Tank Smith, Tyler Holsworth, getting in there and attacking your reps every single time. So I, I was very happy to see that. I mean, I um, think that's that's a shout-out to uh, Coach Schneider. I mean, at the end of the yep. day, when you see that type of uh, similar culture through the, the way that running backs approach the game, that speaks to – the coach's presence in that room, whether it's a, the first two guys that set the tone, but it's a, a attitude and mentality because you always believe that players, you know, personify, personify like their coach's mentality. So like, that's what you want to see from a running back group, a level of physicality and sense of urgency. Now we get into uh, the doldrums of summer when it comes to the football calendar. So for us, uh, as people who cover the team and obviously care about the future of the team, uh, it gets a little quiet. Uh, James Franklin was talking about in his postgame press conference that uh, this upcoming period 
is going to be used to, quote, uh, determine our identity based on the footage from spring practices. And the graduate assistants are also beginning to work on the first four opponents for 2023. Uh, you've lived this window. What else is happening between now and uh, August camp? Oh, man. Camp season. Talent acquisition camp season, prospect camp season. Um, that's what we got going on now. I mean, from the coaching staff standpoint, right? Like not really on the road, but now you got to go around and see the next crop of guys or that you're going to offer. Who's the next, you know, Nick Singleton out there. Who's the next <laughs> Catron Island. Who's the next Joey Porter or the, or Kaylin King. Um, so that's a, that's the hot button when we get into this timing period and you got official visits coming up as well. I mean, I think those things start cycling through and with the NCAA changing the rules with unlimited official visits on, I mean, make sure when that starts, but they, those are the things that they'll be attending to. And then the players from that side, this is when you get into session one, session two of summer training, getting ready for the mad dash to the starting lineup and camp. Yeah, you talked about the unlimited official visits is something James Franklin has spoken publicly about and that the, the calendar for a college football coach, college football staff, period, the players as well, it just continues to get filled up more and more every single year so these recent rule changes are a positive and and negative at the same time the unlimited amount of visits you got to try and take advantage of that as much as possible and james franklin and his staff are very much about getting people in early in the morning and not trying to uh, ignore the people on their current staff but also trying to give as much attention to this player and sell them on the university and try and get them to come and be a part of the program so uh, th this is just a really difficult time of year, and, and we continue to see week to week uh, commitments and possible recruits being uh, landed or at least identified for 2024, 2025, hell, even into 2026. This just doesn't stop, and you've lived that. No, it really doesn't. I mean, the way guys, I mean, I don't think the general public knows how much work coaches put in, right? I mean, talking 80 to 100 hours a week of just running around, like it never stops. So, with unlimited official visits although it's great for athletes i mean i don't even know if it's great for athletes to be completely honest with you because you're you should be getting into operational mode as much as possible and not having more distractions because you can only go to one school but you know with all the new nil opportunities i guess they want to open it up but a lot of people that make the rules don't work in recruiting or in the football operations and recognize like that help like that work-life balance is a little, it's getting a little lopsided with the un, um, unlimited visits. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually against it from somebody that works in it and has a lot of friends, family that work within the business. That's a tough, that's a tough call. And we know prospects might take advantage of it, especially like a place up in state where they want to come up and just visit. It's a great game, especially in season. And to the point that you're saying to identify and target athletes that you want to come to your school, sometimes having a, making a, athlete make a decision of their five places you can see like if you're serious or not now you don't really know and now it's just like i gotta i have to court everybody and right. then you just you know i don't know i don't know how sustainable that is I, I i do not envy them uh and then to your point about trying to maintain a family life i don't know how the hell you do that oh that, that that's not the one that's not the one i mean it's a lifestyle once you get into it so it's not really work-life balance so that's <laughs> yeah. so we can just like clarify that there's no there's no attaining work-life balance it's a lifestyle where you can at least stay healthy 
just so you're like yeah just stay alive yeah (laughs) yeah just stand alive is what i'm talking about (laughs) um and and you talked about you know how this is a challenging time for players as well as that uh james franklin spoke especially about in his post-game press conference and he said it in in spring practice as well as that quote we can't throw enough and what he meant by that in terms of the quarterbacks wide receivers tight ends running backs hell even offensive linemen just for work in that respect um the renovations recently, the Haluba Hall, are going to allow for that because it'll be just, just more space. It's open air. So basically, the way that James Franklin is looking at it, the reason why he pushed for these renovations to be done to Haluba Hall and uh, what is going on with the Lash building as well, so that, that these players can get in the work that they need. So I come back to some of the statistics I just mentioned in regards to the blue-white game. Uh, Rabula getting 27 attempts. Aller getting 30 attempts. It's, it's almost like you kind of know what you have in the run game going into this. I mean, you know what you have in the run game. Let's be very honest. Singleton and Allen at running back, but also you know the skill of this offensive line. Now this period between April and August camp, it's Aller, Perbula, and Jackson Smolik getting out there and throwing as many passes and getting as comfortable as they can with the passing game. Um, you're aware of a lot of the improvements that have been made to the football facilities. What's at their disposal? I mean, what's we saying? What's at their disposal? Yes. Um, from in terms of the facility. Yeah, like the improvements that have been made. I mean, you talk about space, right? Like at the end of the day, they had world class facilities, and, and I mean, from the standpoint of having an indoor like track in the weight room, I mean, just tossing the ball around so receivers can get on the jugs anytime in a way, like easily get on the jugs, right? Right, and after a lift and different things of that nature. But Haluba's has always been kind of state of the art, so just way it's opening up from what they're doing to the renovations. I mean, I just think it's a level of still working on that chemistry. So I don't know if it's too much to do with the renovations, but just more so comfortable to be in, <laughs> right? When yeah. you have space and there's not a lot of things on the side where they've been using um, throughout the renovations. Yeah, time to explore the space. Right. Um, well, spring practices are over. Uh, so we are going to be uh, looking for any and all news as the weeks go by. So um, thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, get involved in the comments section. We want to hear from you guys, how you guys felt about the blue-white game, what you're looking forward to, uh, and what you'd like to hear from us during the offseason. We're always trying to get you guys whatever you're looking for in regards to content here on State of State. So thank you guys so much for joining us and enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you all so much for joining us. This episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter at TheKing1 and at Tom Hannafin. State of State is presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.